0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, last time there was really far too much talk of Episcopal lingo. I think we got to keep that to a minimum. Uh, We've just gotten a lot of angry, angry letters. Our ratings have dropped, so... (sighs) I'm just, yeah, and I implore no... you by the bowels of Christ to keep the mention mm. of the narthex to a minimum.
1: I, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I have more terms. So, I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, how you doing, Aaron? Well, I'm doing okay. I, uh, I'm full of
0: um, delicious afternoon snacks as we record here. I'm excited about the gospel. We're recording Sweet. on a Friday. It's actually a pretty day in Texas. It's uh, weather like what they call springtime in California. That's what uh, mm. September in Texas is like, so...
1: Anyways, what well, about well, you? I'm doing well myself. Just um, hanging in there. It's a Friday. Uh, um, because we are in this weird COVID world, I've got a lot of admin to do after this, but um, my sermon is done. Woo! So um, that is done. And uh, just, um, you know, looking forward to the weekend myself. I want to so, do a
0: shameless plug on your behalf. Everybody who's listening should stop, go to... Stop,
1: stop. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't. Stop.
0: Don't stop. Uh Me. The uh, Run the States NYC Instagram account, one of the cool things that Jacob Smith is doing when he's not counseling parishioners deep in prayer, uh, having Mm. um, experiences of being caught up to the third heaven, he is running these routes in Manhattan that the outline of the running route is a pretty close approximation to all the 50 U.S. states. So how Um, many have you
1: done so far? uh, We have done... um done 48 of them so wow. we're almost done by the time people hear this we will have been done and we've moved on to the provinces of canada so um <laughs> and you're and you're doing the like in the order in which they were admitted to the union right so you're you just no, no, no no we oh, made
0: okay. our way west to east west okay. to east is how we did it so well it's really uh, cool i love seeing the outlines uh and so you know if if you want to see some some yeah amazing
1: running route planning check out run the states nyc yeah it's amazing program. how like manhattan you know it's it, they don't work perfectly all the time. For example, like uh, Alaska's only four miles, but New Jersey was like six. And so, but uh, we've done Texas. Um, that People people would say, you know, you'll never be able to get Michigan. And uh, guess what? We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, bro.
0: Okay. Well, as we are finding different ways to amuse ourselves in Corona Tide, one thing that we still have to do is preach the gospel, whether it's on a live stream, or a pre-recorded sermon, or maybe you're actually doing it in a space where there are living, breathing, mm-hmm. though masked human beings. Uh, and so today, uh, we give you the stuff for uh, Proper 24, which is the uh, 20th Sunday after Pentecost, and this is for Sunday, October 18th, and we're still in Exodus we, uh, tur- we turn the page to a new epistle reading, so we are now going to be in 1 Thessalonians, and we're still in the Gospel of Matthew. So uh, let's just dig in, shall we? We have this first reading, Exodus 33. This is after the whole debacle with the golden calf and the orgy in the desert. That's what it means when it says they sat down to eat, but then they got up to revel. They were having uh, a <laughs> spring break down there. And... Uh, <laughs> God has decided to spare the people. There was some judgment, there was some, there was a little plague that happened. Snakes, snakes. Yeah, but they're getting ready to go into the promised land sort of shortly. Uh, It's getting to the end of the chapter, and God has said that he will send an angel to go, and again, this is all before the passage, but it sets up the context, so God isn't going to go with them himself, he says. He'll send an angel to lead them in that's not really good enough for Moses. Moses says, no, I want I want you to go with us. So he's got this little tent. He's meeting God, not up on the mountain anymore, but maybe because he feels like he can't leave the Israelites uh, unsupervised. They're like toddlers. So instead of going up on the mountain, he wants to stay down at the tent near their camp, and that's where he's meeting well,
1: God. And a big part of that also is, is that, you know, <laughs> quite frankly, his wrath has been uh, kindled, you know, and so he is not quite as near to these folks because he will uh, consume them and so this is a, this is a big part of it and you know and and, and this is an interesting thing at this moment kind of um, you begin to see Moses kind of uh, begin to like try and peer into the hidden hidden things of God you know what I mean he's like kind of like well what's the plan what's going on and um, and uh, that's not how it works you know God's just like this is this is this is the way it is.
0: Yeah, so Moses has been asked to to bring the people into the promised land. Uh, but Moses kind of complains. He says, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. And God has said it's going to be an angel. But Moses, again, Moses always kind of negotiating with God. I got to love it. He's got some uh, courage. And he says, God, you've said I know you by name and you have found favor in my sight, but you're not coming with me. You're sending an angel to guide me. And frankly, I'd like to have, you know, the chief, not the assistant to the regional yeah. manager, lead me into the promised land, and um, and and also know that this nation is your people. Like we're we're your people, so come on, God, step up again. It's a it's a bold prayer, and uh, uh, he says, if you don't do this, ha- like how are we going to be any different from anybody else? You know, you're the only thing that really sets us
1: apart. Yeah, and, and it's interesting too that word people is goy in the hebrew and so it's kind of like i mean nations but also just like any old nations kind of the implication there is here is, is without you we are just like strangers in the wilderness we are a struggling people you're yeah. what makes us like important and so um you know there is there's a statement of truth right there
0: which is kind of legit too mark twain much later would remark like how many parasites and jebusites do you see walking around Manhattan like yeah. there's definitely uh a, a recognition here that the presence of God with the people of Israel is significant and ongoing and so uh the lord says i okay <laughs> like again the negotiation continues he said i'll i'll do it I'll sh- and i'll show you my glory but you i can't show you my face it's it's too much and he says again we've talked before Jake and last week a lot about this kind of the otherness of god and he's not just your buddy, he's not the Doobie Brothers, Jesus is just all right with me. I mean, he is in that Jesus says, I have called you my friends, but you don't get the power, the grace, and the incredibility of that if you don't get the fact of God's transcendence and otherness and the fact that he says here, you can't even see my face. Like that's what, you know, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but what makes the incarnation so amazing, or one of the things that makes the incarnation so amazing, is that understanding the character of God is so holy and other that you can't even see his face and live and yet this is the same god that millennia later will be born of a virgin so but
1: so yeah and i think that that is like that's that's the that's the that's the point here in this particular passage is that uh this in in many ways is kind of almost like a lenten passage it sounds like really exciting but it's a very lenten passage if you will in the sense that you know Moses, Moses wants all the action here. You know what I mean? Because this is how we oftentimes treat God. We treat God as like kind of the step on our own journey to greatness. Mm. And I love how the collect goes. He says, you know, um, the collect that we pray at this service. He goes, Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Well, how is that glory revealed? Well, it's revealed in uh, the cross of Christ, a crucified Savior in this age. That's how it's revealed, and you know. And what Moses wants here is he wants he wants to kind of like see. He, I want the whole kit and caboodle because you're a part of our action on our way into the Promised Land, and and God's like you still don't quite get it. This it's 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 me. I rescued you because it's about not you. It's about me. And, um, and God can say that because he's God. And so he puts him in, and Moses doesn't get the whole kit and caboodle, and God actually tells him, like, this is my plan. The Lord, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. The point being is is while Moses here is bargaining, and we may think that our relationship with God is a two-way street, God is making it perfectly clear right here that my relationship with you is a one-way street.
0: And then you have this amazing thing at the end, this famous passage where God says, I can't show you my face, but I'll pass by where you stand on this rock and God says, I'll put you in like this crack in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by, and then I'll take away my hand, and you'll see me as I'm walking away, and it says, you shall see my back. And the Hebrew here literally is my hindquarters, or uh, in the King James it says back parts, and Luther uh, sort of saw this as God's backside, like you'll see my caboose in the distance as I disappear. In
1: Spanglish, it's uh, your nacha. So many. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, the, yeah, and that backside is the glory of God in the sense of it's the cross. That's right. So we think we're going to see God
0: high and lifted up in all his uh, glory with Shut the cherubim. Shining in the
1: light and... of your glory.
0: So, but... <laughs> uh, so instead of seeing that, we see a crucified God. We see that's the shame, right. the humiliation, the blood-stained uh, body, and this... Um, awful public execution, and that's where God's glory is shown. So co- Christians have long looked at this passage as kind of a foreshadowing of, of what we see in Christ. That, uh, that's right. And, and you see this in the New Testament when Jesus says things like, like now you have glorified your son. That's and right. And he says that not when he's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. <laughs> he says, you've glorified your son when he's getting ready to be arrested and jailed overnight and then killed the next day and the question that Moses asks here reminds me of the question that James and John ask Jesus when you come in your kingdom can we sit on your right and your left basically you That's think God right. has come on some glory story and you get to be kind of in his entourage when actually God has come to die and you get to die with him and this is mm-hmm. what Moses says: like I want to see your see you face to face. And God says, No, you can't really look at my face and live. So I'll show you my backside as I walk away. That's all you get to see. And this is the theology of the cross as opposed to the theology of glory. And so for you people, God's work in your life, and you, you know, you can talk about this as you preach. God's work in your life often does not look like what we would think of as a glorious story. It often looks yeah. like failure, rejection. The backside. The mm-hmm. backside. The you know Luther called us the left hand of God as opposed to the right hand. This is this mm. is the things in your life that you think are the worst thing that could ever happen to you, but actually it's where God is doing his greatest work.
1: Yeah, I imagine in this moment, Moses saw um, uh, he who was above the law being born, somebody himself under this law, born of a woman, you know what I mean? In Bethlehem of Judea, like raised in Nazareth, what possible good could come from Nazareth? You know, preaching, teaching, rejected, And then crucified Um, but on the way Moses will eventually see God face to face and uh, that is on uh, a mountain where there's a transfiguration and there he is with Elijah speaking about um, uh, Jesus's Exodus his um, his departure from this place his glory where he will be crucified in order to take his people, which includes you and I, from Goy, from the nations, um, out of our wilderness journey by virtue, by by way of the seas of our baptism, into the promised land of eternal life.
0: Ooh, I got some tingles there, Jake. That connection yeah, with man. the Mount of Transfiguration. That's amazing. Hashanahai. Ah, that just oh. came out, man. <laughs> All right, people. The Holy Spirit is on tape today. So moving on left. to First Thessalonians. <laughs> We're beginning a new letter. This was one of the first books chronologically written in the New Testament. Your New Testament begins with the four Gospels, and then it moves on to Acts of the Apostles, and then a lot of Pauline letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, etc. Uh, And, uh, however, if it were listed chronologically by the date in which the books are written, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians would probably be the first thing you read. This is is, uh, written um, by Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church in Thessalonica the church of the Thessalonians this little greek island you can still go there today and this is when paul was in his missionary journeys he he started this church mm-hmm. he went around to all these cities and he would often he would always go to the synagogues first and so he went to the synagogue in Thessalonica had some success there but also got rejected had some success with the greeks there as well so anyways he started this church and now this church is growing and but there's some problems so he some issues so he wants to write this letter. Jake, if you were preaching on this
1: passage, what would you say? Uh, Well, um, you know, I would say, um, uh, well, I'd say uh, just a couple of things, really, that kind of stick out to me, and that is, um, the first is, is that, for we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you, because our message of the gospel came to you, not in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Um, And I, I love that, that For we we know, brother, that God has chosen you. And that is, you know, a lot of people in our society get freaked out over fairness and all of that. But just like kind of as God told uh, Moses in Exodus, I will have mercy on who I have mercy. You know, the fact is, is that there there is a comfort in knowing that God has chosen you. Uh, Because um, if he's chosen you, well, he said it. And there's nothing you can do to undo it. And so you can full on rest. And, and the way that that message came to them, uh, well, it came to them uh, because of the message of gospel, which he says not only came to you in word only, like, aka, like, I didn't just tell you, but like, man, I preached it. And it came in power and with the Holy Spirit because he's preaching the gospel. He's not giving them 20 steps to a better you. He is giving them the gospel, which is, as he says, uh, I think into the Corinthians, is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, So there it is. So you take that message, that word, touch it with the Holy Spirit, talk about the blood of Jesus. Bam, you got some power. It's dynamite. Yep. And it seems that after Paul left, there was some
0: persecution here, which is, I mean, yeah, there was there persecution was, yeah. while he was there. So he was staying at a guy's house named Jason, and Jason <laughs> got arrested. There was a mob, and Jason had to, like, pay people <laughs> off and basically pay bail to get everybody out of jail. And so wow. he says, um, in spite of the persecution you receive, you received the word with joy. And you that's became right. an example to all the believers in Macedonia. And that, again, like, persecution probably continued, and that's why, on one level, Paul is writing this letter and one of the other things that is uh, happening, and you find this out later in the text, is that people were expecting Jesus to return imminently, and when he didn't, and people began to die, there were some questions about that stuff. So he's going to get to that later on, but that's it's. this is written to Christians who have known suffering and who currently know mm-hmm. suffering, and they feel like maybe God isn't working as quickly as he would they would like or in the ways that he would like. And so... Uh, There's definitely there's going to be things as we read this text that apply to us now. Um, But one of the things I would want to mention here too is just this wonderful encapsulation of uh, this transformation that's happened in the Thessalonians. It Mm -hmm. says, "You turned from God to God from idols to serve a living and true God." and to wait for his son from heaven. And this living and true God is the one who has raised Jesus from the dead, and he's seen as a great rescuer. But again, that idea of turning from idols to a living and true God. And you get a sense of this if you go back and read Acts 17, where we see Paul first visit Thessalonica and preach the gospel to these folks. When there's a mob that is resisting this message of the gospel, and that Paul has been to the synagogue to preach Christ, They drag Paul and his friends uh, to the authorities, and they say to the city authorities, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Because Paul's message, Christianity, turns the world upside down. Because in in this Greco-Roman world, you worshipped all these different gods, you gave them presents, and hopefully in return they would give you presents. Uh, It was works-based bribing God, basically. It's not a system of grace at all. And here comes this system that says that God has loved you, God has saved you, God has redeemed you, and he is the one that has given the sacrifice, not you. And it totally turns the world upside down, which is the point of turning from a false God that demands little trinkets from you, these idols, into a true and living God who is himself the Mm. sacrifice, risen from the dead. That's beautiful,
1: man. Beautiful. So, um, and then um, we have um, Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. And uh, we see here that uh, the Pharisees, um, they have, uh, along with a few folks called the Herodians, they've gone out to uh, entrap Jesus. So, you know, they act like the, they're here to uh, be sincere. They, they you know, they, they think they're fooling Jesus, but they're not. They're out to entrap him.
0: Yeah, and it's important here to kind of know who these folks are. It helps shed Mm -hmm. some light on the passage. This is that famous passage where they hold up the coin and say, you know, who should get this coin? Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And uh, and Jesus has that line that people quote all the time in non-religious settings, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's happening here, the Pharisees are one group who believe that Caesar is this corrupt, horrible, pagan, dirty, king and they don't want to pay taxes to him because they as Jewish people, they're in their land. they are the people and chosen ones of God. Why should we taking our money and giving it to this pagan, unclean, horrible apostate ruler? In Rome, so the Pharisees are not a big fan of paying taxes. Not just because nobody likes taxes, but it's had a religious connotation to it as well. It's like giving homage, because on that coin is a picture of Tiberius, and the words "High Priest" printed on it, "Son of the Divine Augustus" is printed on it. So it was seen as like, um, I mean, it was breaking the Ten Commandments. We talked about that two weeks ago. Like no graven images, and this has a graven image on it, and it's like in the, the other commandment, no other gods but me, but. This coin claims that Caesar is a god. So it's problematic. The Pharisees don't like it for that reason. The Herodians are Jewish folks who have kind of made peace with Rome, and they're like, well, we should compromise. We should work with them. Herod was the ruling dynasty, you know, Herod the Great, but now his, you know, heirs and children or whatever have split the kingdom up and they're kind of still ruling um, Yeah, but they're wanting to make region. sure that he's
1: not going to cause like an insurrection right so, so they're saying they're
0: so the question is is it lawful they but they both hate jesus which is yeah. amazing the pharisees who are the, the you know the purity keepers and then the herodians who kind of make compromise with culture they both dislike yeah. jesus because he threatens non, both of them n- non denominational
1: mainline so
0: <laughs> yes exactly but this so, Jesus, he's just giving away the store to everybody, and he's like, kind of seems to be not in favor of religiously powerful people or corrupt kings. So nobody mm-hmm. likes him. And so they come and, they, and they, they butter him up first. We know you're sincere. You're really yeah. the best. You're so eloquent, Jesus. By the way,. <laughs> And you know they've, like, requested secret police to be there to listen to him, so based on whatever answer Uh, he gives... This is the
1: best. For you, do not regard people with partiality. Yeah, we know you're
0: super fair. You're going to be honest. Yeah. And then they say, so, we have a question, since you're so honest and Uh fair and upstanding. Uh Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Now, there is a correct answer to this question, same as it is today. You have to pay your taxes, and if you don't pay your taxes, you're breaking the law... But again the Pharisees know that Jesus is supposedly this great Jewish rabbi and so he's going to know that it's you know mm-hmm. all, you know close to breaking the commandments to to pay these taxes to this pagan king.
1: Yeah, there is a distinction between uh this world and uh and Jesus's kingdom clearly. And um you know this is um in this age we um uh, there is the we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and in uh and uh, but also citizens of this world and so you know and so here we function for the sake of this world on one level and so we pay our taxes that's right and uh, i think there's a clear message being taught here and that is the profound separation between church and state the profound separation between jesus and uh, your political ideologies
0: Yeah, it's amazing how little Jesus did to change the political order of his day. Uh, And he had the power to do it, absolutely. But here, again, he doesn't answer the question and kind of dodges with this incredible Jesus answer. Like, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And he's essentially saying, give it all away, because none of that stuff um, matters ultimately. It does matter now,
1: sure. I I just want to emphasize... every listener to have heard what you just said, because for most Episcopal churches, this is stewardship and so season. And so I want to encourage you to give it all away for the sake of the, uh, the gospel to St. Uh, right. Albans, Waco, or Calvary St. George's,
0: Manhattan. And whatever's left over, Mockingbird uh, Ministries. That's so, right. So uh, he says, uh, look, look at this coin. See, there's, there's Tiberius on it. So uh-huh. it's his. So give it That's to him. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but the other thing is give to God the things that are God's. Now, what are the things of God? Well, everything. Mm -hmm. So, your uh, heart, your heart, (laughs) your soul, your life. Um, and so he, he kind of points out, like, basically what's happening there is the same thing that's happening today is people are saying, we want Jesus to be on our side. We want him to be the one that supports our cause. And Jesus doesn't take the bait there or now.
1: Yeah, this is this is I mean, and this is a moment. This is a preachable moment right here what we've done and we've set up for and that is, you know Everybody and you see this in our own culture right now um, They want Jesus's stamp of approval on their movement um, You know what I mean? Put Jesus so you know, give us give us left-wing Jesus give us right-wing Jesus You know what I mean? But Jesus Um, Jesus's stamp of approval, especially in America, and it's disgusting to watch how Jesus is being co-opted all over the place. Um, And uh, the truth is, is that Jesus isn't interested in your mark on him. Uh, what Jesus and the gospel tells us is that um, Jesus is interested in putting his mark on you. Mm. And, uh, And that's the good news of the gospel here, tying it back to the Thessalonians, is that he has chosen you. And in the waters of baptism, you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. in that moment, he's uh, put his mark on you and marked you as Christ's own forever and you now um, bear his likeness in a very broken way. But um, that's what this is about. So uh, live your life, uh, do your politics for the sake of your neighbor and knowing um, um, and being peaceable with everyone knowing that Jesus has put his mark on you. That's exactly
0: right. Well, I think that uh, does it for Matthew 22. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you preach on that passage, you'll be able to do so in a way that uh, doesn't offend anyone, but also offends everyone, uh, yeah. because God asks for everything and has a, has a message that will puncture the illusions of the Republicans, the Democrats, and all political persuasions. And, but never the Green
1: Party. Yeah, they're, so, no, they're no, they're totally We're fine. right all yeah. the time.
0: <laughs> and uh and and preach it in a way that there is uh, the message of the gospel here as well, because what Jesus is saying is uh, to some extent um, you're asking the wrong question that's uh, right The real question is um, what is god's and mm. that and what is God's is you your yeah. heart, your heart and your soul, and it's it's a question of submitting and yielding. To him. So, I hope their congregation will be as amazed as the Pharisees and the Herodians were uh, when you preach this text, or whatever one you do this, this Sunday, and that they walk away and they don't bother you anymore about um, when you're going to go back to in-person services. Amen. You'll do it when the time's right, like Jacob Smith in Calvary St. George's. I think we should end it. What do you think? You did? Okay, I didn't end it yet. Now I'm ending it. Somebody's looking